Well, good morning. Watch out for that step right there, man. That's a trip. <laughs> Who did that right there? Man? Well, hey, good morning. Good to see everybody this morning. Hey, uh, I want to share just out of the gate, man. Uh, so we've been in our, our Come and See campaign, and uh, we've been turning in pledges and all this sort of stuff, you know. You know, our, our goal is $4.5 million for some campus upgrades and, of course, the coffee shop and all that sort of stuff. So uh, here's our update as of June 1st. Uh, we have $3.85 million in pledges, guys, all right? Yeah, super, super exciting. And uh, so $650,000 away from being debt-free on this uh, campus upgrade I don't know how big your pocket is this morning, but you might have come with 650, all right? So, um, but anyway, uh, super excited. So thank you for your giving. Of course, all of this is above and beyond what we as a church family normally give. Uh, and uh, so this is just rad. This is incredible. And uh, we are super, super excited about uh, the future. So, hey, we are starting a new series of messages uh, that we're calling the end of days. And uh, and we are, uh, this is a series through the book of Revelation. And, and of course, the book of Revelation, many uh, see Revelation as this puzzling and even uh, frightening book. But uh, in, in, in all truth, uh, one of the main themes of this book uh, is hope for those who follow Jesus. All right? And that's something to be excited about because we, what we recognize in this whole process, you know, we, 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 we see revelation. We, you know, oftentimes our minds go to end times, uh, you know, uh, and, and, and it's like, when is Jesus coming back and all this sort of stuff. And, and, um, and honestly, like, we get so hung up on the things that, that we're already told, like, you're not going to know. Right? And sometimes what happens is then as a result, we miss what we can know. Right? And that's what we don't want to be able to, you know, that's what we don't want to do in this series, man. We don't want to miss out on what, what God has for us, the things that we, we can know that, that can literally change our lives right now, right? And so while there is hope of eternity and hope of the future and what the end times and all that sort of stuff, hey, uh, I don't think anybody here is going to disagree that this world is a mess. Right? And, uh, and if, and if 2,000 years ago the disciples were telling people repent for the kingdoms at hand, I'm promising you this, that we are 2,000 years closer to Jesus' return today. All right? Uh, but that's all we got, right? Uh, but, but, but there's going to be so much in this series uh, that we can know and, uh, and that does, does matter for our everyday uh, life. Now, in this text, you know, that was read just a few minutes ago, you understand the kind of the big picture with John. Uh, you know, on this Isle of Patmos and, 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 and hearing this, this, this message, write these things down, you know. You understand the church was going through a, a time of persecution and, and um, the, the, you know, first century church and so horrific, horrific physical uh, persecution, literally like, like um, uh, you know, being impaled by stakes or, or, or covered in pitch and oil and lit on fire, uh, literally tied to horses and then, you know, the horses would take off running and tear them limb from limb. They're being thrown in, in, uh, in, into the lions or, or literally their heads being drilled, you know, holes into their head and, and, and molten, you know, um, uh, lead being poured into their head. I mean, like this is horrific persecution that is ultimately going on. 
And, and what's so interesting uh, in, in, this, in, in context of this is, you know, here, like, um, in the modern church, like, we just, we don't see that. Like, we're here in Fresno, California. Like, we don't, we don't see that. That, that. That's kind of like a non-existent sort of thing. As a matter of fact, in the past couple of years, it was so interesting uh, with things happening in our world, with, with the pandemic and things, where, where people within the church were begin to, begin to talk and, and whisper, like, like the, the, because, the, you know, we had to shut down for a period of time and do online service and things. People talked and used the term persecution. Like the church was being persecuted. And, and when you put it into context to what these men and women were going through in the first century, it's, it's, it's really embarrassing that we would use that same word, right? You know, to understand that, that what, these, what these believers were going through, right? This is mind-boggling stuff. And, and, and we're trying to say, oh my gosh, we're being persecuted and the government hates us and all these things. Listen, can I just promise you something, all right? Um, there, there could come a time when you might experience persecution and you're gonna go, hey man, I think that COVID thing was really cool actually, all right? Um, you know, kind of thing. Having to close down and be outside for a bit was, woo, that was pretty mild, you know, kind of thing. Uh, you know, and, and so it is. It's just kind of this crazy, crazy idea. But, but in the first century, in this, this early church, how did they handle this persecution? And understand, like, there are historical, like, facts that Christianity spread fast and far because the church was being killed, do you, you hear that? Like, like, like it's been said that the blood of the martyrs is literally like seed. That every time somebody was killed, it just spread the gospel message to the masses. And here we are today, right, in a comfortable setting, you know, with air conditioning, Right? And, uh, and sometimes we complain that our, that our seats aren't very comfortable, right? Uh, I don't think having a hole drilled in your head was really comfortable, right? And so again, when, when we begin to read this, and, and so sometimes like understand, uh, you know, like, like there's so much about Revelation. As a matter of fact, Pastor Ben is going to be doing here uh, in a few weeks, he's going to be doing a, kind of a, 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 a teaching time on, on Sundays, um, uh, outside of our main services, going through Revelation, helping you to helping you to to understand more of of Revelation, right? Because there really is uh, so much to it. We just read in this text, man. His eyes were like fire. You know what I mean? His feet was, were, you know, I mean, like the the the, the lampstand. You know, so much. And so in this picture. What I want to be able to lay out today is, is really the hope that allowed a, a group of people in the history of the church to continue to persevere and continue to tell people about the love of Jesus, even though their lives were, were at stake. Just a few years back, I was in Calcutta, India, and our, our, our pastoral staff, our church, we were uh, training over about, I don't know, five or six years, we were training pastors in, in Calcutta, India. And, uh, and one particular trip, I uh, was our Pastor Eddie. You know, you guys, you guys remember Pastor Eddie, our children's pastor. Uh, and uh, we, we were on this trip together, and, and uh, we were outside having lunch one day, and I and, uh, had my sunglasses on. And sorry, sunglasses are good, because, you know, when you have sunglasses on, you, you, you totally scope people out, right? 
Right, you do. The worst thing is when you're wearing seeing glasses and you think you have your sunglasses on, you know, like that, that makes for some awkward times on occasion, all right, you know, like, but anyway, so Pastor Dottie, our, our main pastor there in, in Calcutta, was, was introducing me to a gentleman, a pastor who had traveled from northern India down for the conference, and, and he, what he was explaining to me was that this pastor literally has been uh, beaten, drug out of the pulpit while he's preaching by Muslims and beaten and left for dead on three different occasions. And, I, and I'm looking at this guy and I see scars on his arms and I see scars on his neck and his face. I'm reminded of, of Paul, you know, talking about I bear on my body the marks that, that show that I belong to Jesus, right? And in the modern day church, we have tattoos, and somehow that's supposed to show we belong to Jesus, right? And you're like, I didn't want to get offended today about tattoos. I'm sorry, you know, kind of thing. Buckle up and get a tissue. But understand, understand, I, I care less if you have a tattoo, you know, kind of thing. But, but you get the point. Like, I bear on my body the marks that show that I love Jesus, right? And I'm going to get a Bible verse, you know, completely different worlds, Right? And so here's the thing, through, through translators and all, this pastor said to me, he asked if, if we, our pastoral staff, would be willing to come to northern India. Now, note what I just said, right? What happens up there? Would we be willing to come to northern India and train the pastors up there because it's very expensive and difficult for them to come down to Calcutta for the trainings? And he, and he just got done telling me, he gets, he gets beat up and drug out and left for dead. And he's asking me, like, would you be willing to come up here and do this? Huh? I'm like, I'm going to have to check with my supervisor. Um, right? Like, and, and I, I mean, I'm just, I'm just being real with you, man. I'm sharing with you my feelings, man. Like, I'm, you know, my eyes got big, but I had my sunglasses on so he couldn't tell. And I'm like... Wow, right, you know, kind of thing. <clears throat> Shortly after, actually, pandemic and all kinds of things. But, but all that to say, like this, the, the persecution exists in this world for faith reasons. But we here in America, man, like, you know, it, I'm just saying it doesn't. Now, there are things that we go through in life. There are difficulties and sickness and death, and, and there are difficulties in life that we go through, and we need that same hope that John's gonna be talking about here. We need that in our lives, there's no doubt, but we can't compare that to persecution, okay? It, it's really very, very different world in this whole thing. And then part of my whole thing today that I want you guys to, to grasp in this is what allowed these first century Christians to continue to persevere. And, and I really think it was the knowledge and the understanding. Matter of fact, in verse eight, Revelation chapter one, verse right before our text this morning, this, this is what was said, that I am the alpha and the omega, says the Lord God, who is and was and who is to come, the almighty, I, I really think the hope in this whole big picture was knowing who was the alpha and the omega. Who was the beginning and the end? Who did all hope come from, start in? And if we're gonna ever experience hope, this is where we're gonna find it, is in him. And that's the beauty of this whole thing. Matter of fact, write down into your outline, you know, if you've been around me long enough, you know none of my points are like profound, all right? So get out your Crayola crayon, write this in, okay? Jesus is the alpha. Write that in. Jesus is the alpha. Now, why does that matter? 
Because we understand that we don't have to be the creator. We don't have to have all the answers. We didn't start this thing. We don't have to understand everything, right? And as a matter of fact, if Jesus is the alpha, you can also write down in your outline right there that you are not the alpha, all right? And for some of you, you can take a big deep breath right now, you know? How many of you think you're the alpha? Okay, yeah, yeah, some of you. And then how many of you are sitting next to somebody who thinks they're the alpha? Okay, you're right, right, whoa, hang on a minute, right? We just, there's gonna be some conversations on the drive home today, I can tell already, right? You know, kind of thing, right? Why? Because we feel like we have to be in control. Isn't that it? How many of you are control freaks? Raise your hand. It's a, there'd be a lot, of, a lot of them going, I see some of you not raising your hand. I know you're lying this morning. I know you, right? I know you, you're a liar, all right? And a control freak, okay? But listen, listen, here's what I want you to grasp, is that, that knowing who the alpha is should give us peace in us that we don't have to try and figure this out. We don't have to know everything, right? And our kids are, are really one of the most humbling things that happen in our life, right? Because, you know, as dads, you know, we, we know everything, right? You know, we got it all under control, you know, kind of thing. And isn't it funny? I mean, in most cases, the kids don't say it out loud, but you can totally read them when they're going, good one, dad. <laughs> Whoa, right? Like way to make the family proud there, buddy, you know, kind of thing, right? Why? Because we're playing the alpha card, man. We're acting like we got it all under control, like we know everything. Don't tell me what to do. I know what to do. I don't, I don't need your help. <laughs> and can I just tell you, if that's you, when the time comes for persecution, you'll run from it. Because if you think you're the alpha, it actually equates to being a coward. Why? Because you think you know everything and you've been unwilling to surrender your life to the true alpha and omega, right? That, that's the beauty of it. John 1.3 says that, that literally through him all things were made and without him nothing was made, man. I mean, he created you. Right? And that's the beauty of it. It's not like there was nothing before God. Listen to this. It's not like there was nothing before God, but in reality, there was no before God. You get that? There was no before God. He has always been. Right? And that's why we have confidence. Like, this isn't just like, okay, I'm the new alpha dog. Woo, I'm in, man. Trust me, kind of thing. You know? We do that through politics. Isn't that right? Every four years, right, we bring in a new alpha. Isn't it crazy? And, 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 in, the, and in the political climate of things, what is, what is politics all about? It's all about alpha. I'm right, you're wrong. We're right, you're wrong, right? And, and here's the crazy thing with the modern day church is that some people get more up in arms about politics than they do about Jesus Christ, Right? And this is, this is the problem with the modern day church. So, so when, what happens is it's like, oh, this isn't serving my need or this isn't serving my need. Listen, your needs are found in Jesus. And if you'd trust him, you'd realize your needs are met. But we, we like to pick on humans and say, oh, my wife's not meeting my needs. My husband's not meeting my needs. That there may be elements to that, but let me promise you this, that if you were to focus on Jesus and live a surrendered life to him, needs would be met Amen. in everything. 
And that's the thing that we get so backwards on is, is recognizing why the alpha matters, why it matters who God is in this whole thing. The reality is, is we trust in so many other things than we do our Heavenly Father, right? And I'm talking specifically to those who call themselves Christians right this moment, right? I get that maybe you don't understand a relationship with Jesus yet. I hope you do today, and I'm going to uh, hopefully help, help you to understand that. But for those that claim to be a Christian, that means to be a Christ follower. You can't be a Christ follower when you're putting your faith and trust in everything else, right? Like our hope solely resides in Jesus, who is the author and finisher, right? Who, who, who is found in the first uh, verse of, of Genesis and the last verse of Revelation, the first book of the Bible, the last book of the Bible. And this is who our hope ultimately is in, right? So just as Jesus is the alpha, you're not the alpha, I'm not the alpha. Write this down too, another profound one. Get your crayon out. Jesus is the omega, right? He's the omega, man. If he created this universe, then this universe, is, it's gonna fit him, right? It makes sense. And, and what doesn't make sense is when humans try to dictate what this universe is all about and what it, what it is and what it's for and all these sorts of things. Understand that, that Jesus has got to be this omega point in your life. Like, like you know, you in him, you're headed for the, for the correct destination, right? When, when you're trusting him, your destination, you don't even have to stress over. But when you're trying to do it on your own, Guess what? You're, you're all over the place. Your destination changes momentarily. Why? Because you don't have a clear path. Because you're not the alpha. And you're not the omega. You're not the beginning and end. Right? And, and we have to grasp and understand this to be healthy uh, in, in our faith. Right? Now, you, you, remember, you remember this uh, um, uh, some of you remember this. Uh, Let's make a deal. You guys remember that TV show? Raise your hand if you remember that TV show. All right, some of you didn't raise your hand, and I know for a fact you should have remembered that show, okay? If I remember that show, I promise you, you remember that show, all right, you know? Uh, but anyway, right? And, and so what it would be, you know, you could, you could take this gift or whatever, or you can choose behind curtain number, right? Right? Here's what I love about Alpha and Omega, Jesus. There's no like question mark what's behind curtain number. Listen, look, here, here's the deal. If for a person to place their faith and trust in Jesus, to recognize that he died on the cross for your sins, and as a result, you have an opportunity to have a relationship restored because of our brokenness, to be restored with the God of heaven. Right? By accepting that gift, that's, that, that, that death was for you. That paid the price for you, right? And, and, and that's, the, that's, the, that's the good news, man, is that, that he died for you. Three days later, he rose again, and he's like, takes the death, you know, the keys to death, hell, and the grave, man, does a little dance on the devil's head, you know what I mean? All for you. You go try and dance on the devil's head, you're gonna get your butt whooped. That's the problem with you thinking you're the alpha, Right? Even the demons were like, hey man, Jesus we know. Right? Are you right? Remember? And he's like, but these guys, I, I don't know these guys, man. Why? Because they were trying to be something bigger. Right? Lucifer himself tried to be something bigger. 
right? And, and, and messes everything up. God is this never-ending omega for every man. I wrote this down, I read this, either as a fountain of eternal life or as a wine press of wrath and a lake of fire. But you don't have to guess in between. You put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and you have eternal life. You choose not to. And he spells it out and says, there's a lake of fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Wow. You don't, there's no guesswork, right, in, the, in this whole thing. Uh, we need to remind ourselves literally again and again that our lives will ultimately end in God. So not only is, is Jesus the alpha, you're not. He's the omega. Write that down. You're not the omega, right? Because there's this, there's this saying, right? Yeah, you know, you're not the end all be all, man, right? Everything doesn't have to go through you. Everything doesn't need your, your approval, you know, kind of thing, right? That those are the things that destroy relationships, and why do they destroy relationships? Because we are trying to act like God and we're not God. We've never been given the authority to be God. We don't have the capability of being God. So now you're trying to act like somebody you're not, which makes you a fool and embarrassing to everybody around you. They can all see it. You might not see it. Everybody else around you sees it. This guy thinks he's it. Right? According to scripture, you're not it. Okay? And so that's the beauty of it. So, so he, you know, you're, you're, you're not the omega. So write this down. So if he's your first and he's your last, write this down, is that he, he must also be your middle. He must be your middle, man. And, and what does this even mean? To recognize and have the confidence in, in who he is, right, from the beginning to the end, right? We're talking about the first century church being persecuted and everything else. They were comfortable being in the middle. Why? Because this is where God called us to be and do life. Now you go be disciples. Go and be disciples. Go and share the good news, right? You go as you go, as you are going, you know, do, do this, be this. That you gotta recognize, like, if, if your alpha is meaningless, meaning if you're, you think you're alpha and you think you're omega, then you gotta understand, too, that your middle is meaningless. Your life's meaningless. And this is why we sputter, because we're trying to take control. We're trying to handle things that we aren't made to handle outside of relying on God. That is why it talks about, like, be ready to give an account for the hope that lies within you. Why? Because my hope is in Jesus. My hope isn't in Kevin Manning because I'm a failure. Time and time again, I've proven to myself that I'm a failure. Anybody on the same, same train with me? Oh, just three of us. That's awesome. Well, God bless the rest of you, all right? Maybe you should come up here and finish the message today, okay? Right? Why? Because this is what we have to understand. Like, our reliance is solely on him, not on me, not on what I can control, not on what I can dictate or, or, or whatever. We, we understand. Now, the middle is kind of an interesting thing. I, I started thinking about the middle this week. First thing I thought of, man, was an Oreo, <laughs> You know, an Oreo, right? How many like Oreos? Yeah, how many of you eat the middle first? Yeah, there's some of you, all weird ones. Anyway, all right. I don't eat, no, here's the deal. I don't eat the middle first. I don't even take a bite if I'm eating an Oreo. I put the whole thing in my mouth, you know what I mean? 
Like when they've made things that small, they're not, you don't get three bites out of an Oreo, right? I can have an entire line of Oreos accomplished before you eat your first one. You know what I'm saying? Like, give me a break, right? But nobody was like, I love Oreos so much, man. It's just, you know, listen, right? Like there's something about that whole little combination that just suits us, doesn't it? Right, ice cream the same way, you know, ice cream sandwich or 50-50 bars, you know, like there's all, those, all these different things, right? All those things. Um, a book, a book is unique because the front cover kind of gives you, gives you an idea, it's the title, right? You know, the back of a book typically, you know, gives you a little bit more detail, but what's in the middle? It's the entire story. It's the story. And, and it's your story where God wants you to live because he's, he's, he's writing it for you if you trust him, right? If you don't, you're, you're writing your own. And, it's, and, and according to the scriptures, there's a way that seems right unto man, but the end leads to destruction. So if you're writing your own story, good luck. But God says, listen, Here's the beauty. So, so a person, you know, you know, ultimately, you know, confesses and, and, and their sins and 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 repents and and asks Jesus to to save them, come in their life as their Lord and Savior, you know, kind of thing. And 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 now all of a sudden, it's it's just this daily picture of reliance upon who the Alpha and Omega man. He's he's got the beginning and the end all taken care of. He's like, now let's focus on what the middle. Let's focus on your story. Let's focus on how your life can impact other people's lives. Let's focus on how you are now a disciple. And I need you to carry this message to this lost and dying world. I'm not asking you to partake in the lost and dying world. I'm asking you to take the message to the lost and dying world. I didn't, I didn't, I, I'm not asking you to try and figure out how far in the lost and dying world you can go before you cross a line. I'm asking you to take the message of hope, the greatest story ever told, to this world because that is the only hope that we have. Not in politics. It's not in a, in, in a new vote coming up. That's not where our hope lies. We're confused in, in all of that. We have to understand like, we, and, and, and allow scripture to be our guide. Galatians 2 uh, um, verse 20 talks about my old self has been crucified with Christ. It says, I, I, it, uh, it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God. Who? The Alpha and Omega, right? And, and it says what? Who loved me and gave himself for me. Like when you understand that, that Bible verse, that means the clarity of Alpha and Omega exists for you, right? That's the beauty of it. There's an old poem called The Dash. Uh, Linda Ellis wrote this poem and, and I've shared it at funerals before and, and it talks about uh, the, the, the first date on, a, on a, you know, a, a headstone is the date you were born, followed by a little dash and then after that dash is the date that you passed. But the whole poem is all about how those who knew this person most know what that little dash represented. <laughs> because I just talked to a guy at the grocery store yesterday. I said, hey, how you doing? He, you know, from, from here at the church. And, and he said, man, yesterday was a hard day. I just lost two close friends to cancer. Two of them in the same day. 
Yeah, that's that kick in the gut, man. Even when you know it's coming, it's a kick in the gut. But you know, when, when, when you finally stop focusing on, on, on the person's death, what happens? What do you start focusing on? What do you start thinking about? The dash. You just didn't know it was called the dash. <laughs> you begin to focus on all the memories, don't you? You begin to focus on all the stories. Good, bad, right? I always say they don't let your enemies speak at your funeral, so you're fine, man. Don't worry about it, all right? But what do we remember most, man? We remember those stories. Do you realize that your story of how you know Jesus is literally the second greatest story that's ever been told in this world? The greatest story is the story of Jesus. Your story is the second greatest story ever told. Your story matters. Nobody can argue with your story. They can argue about the alpha. They can argue about the omega. What they can't argue about is how when you found that you trusted Jesus, your life changed forever. They can't argue with that. So why in the world do we get caught up in all the arguments as opposed to sticking to what we know is true? This is who God is. And this is the experience I've had with him. And as a result, I am a completely different person. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. It says the old is gone and the new has come. That's exciting. That's good stuff. And listen, man, if the old's still around, can I tell you, it's probably because the Alpha and Omega is still blurry in your life. <laughs> listen to this. It'll be on, it's on your outline up on the screen. The purpose of God in our lives is for us to be sanctified. That literally means to be set apart, to become more like the image of his perfect son, Jesus Christ. This is not done through our determination, our resolve, our willpower, or strength, but by the Holy Spirit as we yield our lives to his control and are filled with him. Can I, can I just tell you something? The, our determination, our resolve, our willpower, our strength, these are all terms that we use. And can I tell you, these aren't terms that show that we are trusting Jesus. These are all terms of our own abilities. What I want you to realize today is that God loves you so much, he made a way possible for you to have a relationship with him. Not so you have to stress over everything but so that you can have a confidence in your life that doesn't have to make sense, by the way. The scriptures tell us that we can have a peace that surpasses all human understanding. Nothing human even makes sense. Why? Why would it? It's divine. This is, this is the alpha and omega we're talking about. This is the one that's always been, always gonna be. And guess what? When you place your faith and trust in him, you're always gonna be too, right alongside him. Worshiping them, celebrating them. That's the beauty of it. Romans chapter 12, maybe one of my favorite passages in all the Bible. Came across a few years ago reading it in the message paraphrase. And uh, it, it's all about just our life being surrendered to him. L listen to this as we wrap this up. Romans chapter 12, it says, here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life you're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work, you're walking around life and place it before God as an offering. See, listen, when we trust in the Alpha and Omega, like, like all he asks of us is what? To place our life before him as an offering. We don't have to be fancy. It's not just your Sunday attendance at church that you place before him as an offering. He says, I want your everyday ordinary life. 
You're eating, sleeping, drinking, walking around, going to work. I want all of that. I want the stuff where you're kind of a jerk, to be honest with you. Place that before me as an offering. Because when you start recognizing that's what he wants, that's when you start changing who you are. Listen to what it says. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for him. Can you underline that? Can you circle that? Can you write that on your neighbor's arm? Can I just tell you? Listen, here's what he's asking. Embracing what God does for you. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for him. Do you understand? He's not asking you to be God. We don't need another one. And you stink at it. But what is he saying? Recognize what he's doing in your life. (laughs) Recognize what he's doing in your life. It's the best thing that you can do for him. Why? Because it's the hope in the midst of uncertainty. That's what the first century church was doing. This is what John's message in this revelation is all about. It's recognizing that, that it's all about him and it's not about you. And when you understand the hope that you can have through him, man, you can go through anything. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Woo! Instead, it says, fix your attention on God. Listen, you'll be changed from the inside out. You know what that tells me? We're not talking about behavior modification. We're not talking about, hey, you know, you have a potty mouth. You really need to stop saying those words. Let me tell you what changes those words is full surrender to Jesus. It's amazing how cleaned up your life will be. But you want to flirt with the world, man, keep flirting. But you don't get to play both sides. You want to have the hope that takes you through uncertainty? It's full surrender. So it goes on and finishes up and says this, readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you and he develops well-formed maturity in you. That's it. That's why I put on your alley. That's a wrap, man. That's a wrap. That's all there is, man. It's a wrap. Why is it a wrap? Because he's the beginning, he's the end. You're in the middle. I thought of food when I said that. It's a wrap, man. I don't know. I'm always hungry, man. You know, always thinking food, man. You know, why? Why is it a wrap? Because it's where you need to be. You don't have to be in control. He's in control. You don't have to have everything figured out. He has everything figured out. And our hope resides in him. And that's why we can walk out of here today different than when we walked in this place. Your life can change if you choose to surrender it to him. You got me, man. You got me, God. You got all of me, man. I just want to be different. I just want to leave here different today than I came. Why? Because God is good. God is good in everything. He's been good. He's always going to be good. It's all about us recognizing what he's doing in us. That's what he wants from us. So if you don't know Jesus Christ today, listen, we got our lounge workers over here, man, just caring people that are willing to pray with you. You can head over there after service. They'll pray with you. I'll be out on the patio. You're going to be able to spot me. I promise you, okay? Listen, I want to pray with you. I I see my buddy Charlie here. I see so many of you, man. There are people here willing to pray with you. 
You just gotta walk up and say, hey man, I wanna know more about Jesus. We want your life to be changed forever. That's what it's all about. So Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for how much you love us and how you wanna take us through some of the most uncertain times that our lives are gonna face. We don't have to have it all figured out, man. We just have to know you. We just have to trust you in everything. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.